Shall we start? I can hear a pigeon outside. And it looks like um, Dr. Seward's diary is still... Because I'm back on my Kindle now, so it's queued up to Dr. Seward's diary. And what we actually want is Mina Murray's journal. Mina Murray. Mina Murray, of course, um, not a Western Ra, but Mina Murray. Maybe she's the one who's affianced to the bloke who's at the castle trying to sell him an abbey in the West Country somewhere. I can't remember where it is. Carfax Abbey, is it, or somewhere? I don't know. 26th of July. I am anxious and it soothes me to express myself here. Me too, love. It is like whispering to oneself and listening at the same time. And there is also something about the shorthand symbols that makes it different from writing. Pittman's, possibly. I am unhappy about Lucy and about Jonathan. I had not heard from Jonathan for some time was very concerned, but yesterday dear Mr Hawkins, who is always so kind, sent me a letter from him. I had written asking, let's not get ahead of ourselves, I had written asking him if he had heard, and he said the enclosed had just been received. It is only a line dated from Castle Dracula, and says that he is just starting for home. That is not like Jonathan. I do not understand it, and it makes me uneasy. Then, too, Lucy, although she is so well, has lately taken to her old habit of walking in her sleep. Her mother has spoken to me about it, and we have decided that I am to lock the door of our room every night. In case she wanders off, fair enough, good precaution— Mrs. Westenra. Mrs. Westenra has got an idea that sleepwalkers always go out on roofs of houses and along the edges of cliffs, and then suddenly wakened, and then get suddenly wakened and fall over with the with a despairing cry that echoes all over the place. <laughs> yes, it sounds like she's more concerned about the embarrassment of a of a despairing cry than actually the twisted body of her daughter lying at the foot of the cliffs. Oh, how embarrassing. She made a despairing cry just before she fell over the edge. Poor dear, she is naturally anxious about Lucy, and she tells me that her husband, Lucy's father, thank heavens for that, had the same habit, that he would get up in the night, well, different reasons possibly, and dress himself and go out if he were not stopped. Well, maybe, maybe he just wanted to go down the pub or go and get a kebab. Lucy is to be married in the autumn and she is already planning out her dresses and how her house is to be arranged. I sympathise with her, for I do the same. Only Jonathan and I will start in life in a very simple way and shall have to try to make both ends meet. Well, Mr. Homewood, he is the Honourable Arthur Homewood, only son of Lord Godalming, is coming up here very shortly, as soon as he can leave town, 
for his father is not very well, and I think dear Lucy is counting the moments till he comes. She wants to take him up in the seat on the churchyard cliff. Oh, she wants to take him up in the seat on the churchyard cliff and show him the beauty of Whitby. I dare say it is the waiting which disturbs her. She will be all right when he arrives. 27th of July No news from Jonathan. I am getting quite uneasy about him. Though why I should, I do not know, but I do wish that he would write, if it were only a single line. Lucy walks more than ever, and each night I am wakened by her moving about the room. Fortunately, the weather is so hot that she cannot get cold, but still, the anxiety and the perpetually being awakened is beginning to tell on me, and I am getting nervous and wakeful myself. Thank God Lucy's health keeps up. Mr. Homewood has been suddenly called to ring to see his father. Called to ring? Is that a place? Who has been taken seriously ill? Dear. Lucy frets at the postponement of seeing him, but it does not touch her looks. Yes, I find that. Even if I get bad news, it doesn't touch my looks. She is a trifle stouter. She's a trifle stouter. That's due to the consumption of trifles. She's a pie stouter. That's due to the consumption of pies. She is a gatto stouter, etc. She is a trifle stouter. And her cheeks are a lovely rose pink. She has lost the anemic look which she had. I pray it will last. I pray it will all last. Mm, fair enough. Third of August, another week gone by, and no news from Jonathan, not even to Mr. Hawkins, from whom I have heard. Oh, I do hope he is not ill. He surely would have written. I look at that last letter of his, but somehow it does not satisfy me. Well, it wouldn't. It does not read like him, and yet it is his writing. There is no mistake of that. Well, he wrote it under duress, didn't he? Have a trifle. Calm yourself down. Lucy has not walked much in her sleep the last week, but there is an odd concentration about her which I do not understand. Even in her sleep, she seems to be watching me. She tries the door and, finding it locked, goes about the room searching for the key. 6th of August. Another three days and no news. This suspense is getting dreadful. If I only knew where to write to or where to go to, I should feel easier, but no one has heard a word of Jonathan since that last letter. I must only pray to God for patience. Lucy is more excitable than ever, but is otherwise well. Last night was very threatening. Or indeed last night was very threatening, second class. Return to Dottingham, please. And the fishermen say that we are in for a storm. I must try to watch it and learn the weather signs. Yes, um, the weather signs are thunder, lightning, 
very, very frightening. And then rain, and they're the weather signs, essentially. Um, it's not difficult. Today is a grey day. What a grey day. And the sun, as I write, is hidden in thick clouds high over Kettle Ness. Everything is grey except the green grass, which seems like emerald amongst it. Grey, earthy rock, grey clouds, tinged with the sunburst at the far edge, hang over the grey sea, into which the sand points stretch like grey figures. The sea is tumbling in over the shallows and the sandy flats, with a roar, muffled in the sea mists drifting inland. The horizon is lost in a grey mist. All vastness. Clouds are piled up like giant rocks, and there is a brawl over the sea that sounds like some passage of doom. Dark figures are on the beach here and there, sometimes half shrouded in the mist, and seem men like trees walking. The fishing boats are racing for home, and rise and dip in the ground, swell as they sweep into the harbour, bending to the scuppers. Here comes old Mr Swales, he is making straight for me. And I can see, by the way he lifts his hat, that he wants to talk. Oh, God, does he? I've been quite touched by the change in the poor old man. When he sat down beside me, he said in a very gentle way, I want to say something to you, miss. I could see he was not at ease, so I took his poor old wrinkled hand in mine and asked him to speak fully. So he said, leaving his hand in mine, I'm afraid, my dearie, that I must have shocked you by all the wicked things I've been saying about the dead and such like for weeks past. But I didn't mean them, and I want you to remember that when I'm gone. We old folks that be daffled, and with one foot abaft the crock hall, don't altogether like to think of it, and we don't want to feel scart of it, and that's why I've took to making light of it, so that I'd cheer up me own heart a bit. But Lord lovely, miss, I ain't afraid of dying, not a bit. Only I don't want to die, if I can help it. My time must be nigh at hand now, for I be old... And a hundred years is too much for any man to expect, and I'm so nigh it that the old man is already wet in his side. You see, I can't get out of the habit of caffing about it all at once. The chaffs will wag as they're used to. Some day soon the angel of death will sound his trumpet for me. But don't you do all and greet, my dearie, for he saw that I was crying. If he should come this very night, I'd not refuse to answer his call. For life be, after all, only a waiting for something else than what we're doing, and death be all that we can rightly depend on. But I'm content for his coming to me, my dearie, and coming quick. It may be coming while we be looking and wondering. Maybe it's in that wind out over the sea that's bringing with it loss and wreck and sore distress and sad hearts. Look! Look! he cried suddenly. There's something in that wind and in the host beyond that sounds and looks and tastes and smells like death. It's in the air. I feel it coming. 
Lord, make me answer cheerful when my call comes. He held up his arms devoutly and raised his hat. His mouth moved as though he was praying, or were praying, as is actually written in shorthand by Mina. It's not easy to decipher it as I go along. After a few minutes' silence, he got up, shook hands with me and blessed me and said goodbye and hobbled off. It all touched me and upset me very much. I was glad when the Coast Guard came along with his spyglass under his arm. He stopped to talk with me as he always does, but all the time kept looking at a strange ship. I can't make her out, he said. She's a Russian, by the look of her, but she's knocking about in the queerest way. She doesn't know her mind a bit. She seems to see the storm coming, but can't decide whether to run up north in the open or to put in here. Look there again. She is steered mighty strangely, for she doesn't mind the hand on the wheel. Changes about with every puff of wind. We'll hear more of her before this time tomorrow. Fair enough, I'm sure you will. A Russian ship. What can it be? Who can be on board? Could it be? No, it couldn't. Vladimir Putin, as he is now commonly mistaken for Count Dracula, is he not? Um. Well, there we are, yeah. There's a bird just flown into the honeysuckle. I hope he's not dislodging too many of the... Of the delicate blooms. Perhaps the perfume is wafting through the garden as the sparrow bounces up and down among the flowers. Anyway, that's it. I thought I'd do a bit before now I'm going to um, cook something for dinner. That's, that's interesting, isn't it? There we are. And uh, that's it. Thank you, fans. Cheerio.